Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn that. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. He is back. Johnny part-time back from his hiatus of fondling dead bodies once again. Thank you, Bell, for being here. Uh, he is always is Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. Why'd you look so confused? Spew- Just spewing nonsense. Absolute about, conjecture. About Bell touching <laughs> bodies. Objectively, yes, he does touch bodies. But well, before Bell comes the in idea that he gets pleasure out of it, Dan, is a bit presumptuous. Corey, I'll, all I was trying to do was just stick to the theme of tonight's show of the it's media show about fondling dead bodies. No, you didn't let me get there. You interrupted before I got there. The theme of tonight's show is the media completely uh, misinterpreting the actions of actual good journalists out there or actual good media members out there. Bell is a good media member. We are good media members. Tucker Carlson, at least, some some of the time is a good media member, including what he did last week. Yes, we will be having a long discussion about Tucker Carlson and his interview of Vladimir Putin, what we agree with, what we disagree with, uh, and uh, the happenings in Rafa. And that's probably going to take up our whole goddamn show tonight, Corey. Probably. But before we get to any of it, if you are ready, I know you've had a lot of wine tonight. It is uh, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Uh, Corey, yeah, got no, after I got it early this yeah, afternoon. I got, I got a little lucky, you know. Like I planned on enjoying Valentine's Day with my wife after the show, but she came home. She came in the house, and she's like, "Hey, kids asleep." And you know what? The best wife welcomes you home with open legs, not open arms. Uh, Libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at LibservativePod at gmail.com. Subscribe today! Just a little quip there, I saw that. 15 years ago, I was in Washington. I saw, that little, I saw that smirk <laughs> about saying the best wife. Welcomes you home with open legs, not open arms. Oh, good one! Fuck right? yourself. <laughs> I didn't have to today, Dan. <clears throat> Hands got a day off, eh? <laughs> At least the right yes. hand, anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, Corey, what did you learn in school this week? Let's get this started off right. Oh, we're going with me. I mean, I'll start. I'll You're not ready. Right. You're prepared. I am never underprepared, Dan. Unprepared. QAnon is right. What? 
But convoluting this with every other batshit crazy-ass conspiracy has muddied the conversation. Don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. What I really learned is, when conveying a message, keep it concise and try not to correlate it to everything else. (laughs) Now, the reason why I say this is because recently I learned that... uh, Human trafficking is a serious problem in Alabama. In Alabama? Yeah, as well as the rest of the United States and the world. According to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, Alabama had 285 calls and 100 cases of human trafficking reported in 2021. The highest number is in 14 years, and most of the cases involve sex trafficking, especially of minors, and occurred in various cities and counties across the state. And the state has taken s- some steps to combat human trafficking, such as forming the Alabama Anti-Human Trafficking Alliance, passing laws to protect victims and punish traffickers, and raising awareness and education among the public. However, more efforts are needed to prevent, identify, and assist the victims of this heinous crime. And like these are all cited by like alabamaalliance.alabama.gov. Mm-hmm. Uh, end it alabama.org and like edu websites and stuff so apparently all of these pompous people so i like it so like i have a lot like i'm still trying to figure out how to articulate this right because i have a like there's a million thoughts and angles running through my head right now well, nothing brings idea, up human trafficking talk, Corey, quite like the week after the Super Bowl, because isn't that like the biggest human trafficking event of of the year? Or at least that's or at least that's what they say. No, it's being probably right. Like because it's it's always the right wingers that are talking about human trafficking. But the problem right. is they they convolute it with random pizza shops. <laughs> yeah. And so it just it just makes them all look like fucking idiots. No, no, the Super Bowl it, it makes sense, right? Especially like Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the dad is not out yet, but really, let's think about it. The first time I have ever seen like a vulnerable like migrant girl was honestly Las Vegas. We had a four hour layover there. It was seven a.m. and me and the girl that uh were flying to uh Oregon for a wedding. We had a four-hour layover in Las Vegas, so we decided let's go run run the strip real quick. And for real, I remember there was like this twelve-year-old girl still holding like a teddy bear, like on a corner, and like I was like, "Are you okay? Do you need help?" And she's like, "See, sí, fine." And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, like I didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, so I just let her go on her way, but. It was like still like weird. Like I've never had an interaction like that anywhere else in the country. But so I guess what I'm saying is Las Vegas, super close to the border. There probably was some wild shit happening in Vegas of all places during the Super Bowl. But anyways, apparently in Alabama, human trafficking is a big deal. But what I really learned is the idea that like if human trafficking is a problem then focus on human trafficking stop trying to muddy the conversation with involving random politicians that live a thousand miles away 
from where you're upset about human trafficking in your state and in your city and quit making it political because it's anything as soon as anything becomes political, everyone picks their side on it and it just makes the conversation lose its weight when human trafficking appears to be an actual issue. Wait, why can't I hear you? Bell, can you that hear damn me? No, that damn mute button on the side of my mic. I accidentally just tap it all the time. There we go. Um, I guess what, what, well, what I was trying to say before my mic so rudely turned itself off was. Goddamn it, technology. It's, it's like it's like the Jeffrey Epstein thing, right? It's like. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty interested to know like what the inner workings of Jeffrey Epstein and his client list are. And because obviously there was um you know, human trafficking related um nefarious activity going on there. But when all you do is focus on that thing when that like that one little corner of the problem when the when the problem is obviously so absolutely widespread i don't think you're really helping solve the issue if that makes sense yeah like when it's, a, it's when it's a serious social issue you're not helping the cause you're only hurting it when you just attach it to a political party right it's like democrats are guilty but then again i will say this i mean I, it, it, like you, you you open this entire what I learned in school with week with with uh, a little bit of a tongue in cheek. QAnon was right, right? That's kind of how you started it. Yeah, I'll just be a little goofy with it, but yeah, no, like right. seriously, like the Alabama government is like, hey, yeah, this is a big problem. Yeah, well, it's 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 very similar to what we always say about Alex Jones, right? It's like, boy, every once in a while, he really nails one, doesn't he? Like he really hits the nail yeah. on the head every once in a while but it's but but then the the critique that we always have of people of of somebody like alex jones is that like he takes that one thing where he's right and then he conflates it with all of this other nonsense and completely dilutes his deludes his point from what it originally was and that's i think a lot about what i think that's basically what you're trying to allude to here with human trafficking right it almost you know it it comes to basically like when I, that's why I was like kind of like trying to pontificate. We learned that mm, word tonight together. We were pontificating, yes. <laughs> on the the print the, on the basic premise of the fact that like human trafficking happens, so like stop inventing things to make it seem like it's more prevalent when it's prevalent enough on its own. If you just bring attention to or, the actual cases. Don't be a Jesse Smollett. Or even even just to take it a step further, Corey, like stop using it as a political ploy to get elected, right? Because that's that's a lot of what that's a lot of what it is at the border with with the border crisis, right? It's like it's it's the right, it's conservatives in 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 Congress using it to shit on Joe Biden, which there are many really good ways to do that, right? There are there are many legitimate ways <sighs> Where you can point out how Joe Biden has done an absolutely atrocious job with the border since taking since taking office, but when you when when it's like, oh my God, the human trafficking and the fentanyl and just just bloviating about this about these issues that are issues, but they're not the key source of the problem, right? Impeaching Mayorkas as much of a blowhard and how shitty was at his job. 
isn't going to solve the problem. Yeah, it's all it's all a fear mongering ploy to get elected, even though these things are actual problems. Fentanyl coming over is a problem. Human trafficking coming over at the border is a problem. These are all issues that we all want solved. But like what you can definitely tell from Republicans right now is that they're they're not actually serious about solving these issues. They're just trying to make Joe Biden look bad. And it's like, dude, he does that really, really well on his own. I don't think I don't think you need to do that. If you, instead of, you know, actually trying to come up with a plan to solve a problem, because we, we talked about this, I mean, probably multiple times now, but certainly right after the 2022 midterms is that the Republican Party is all they're just it's just a party of, of grievances. It's all about all of the bad things that Democrats and wokeness and all these all these bad things that they do. And they're not wrong about those things, but it, there's never there's never a solution. And to your point, Corey, to, to your what I learned in school this week, I feel like that's a lot of the chatter around human trafficking as well. It's a, it's a lot about like, oh, my God, we have this huge problem. It's like, OK, yeah, you're you're pointing it out. I I, I see it. What right, are we no, because I like like Detroit's okay. actually, I think Detroit's one of like the biggest human trafficking hubs like in the nation, isn't it? It makes sense. It's a border city. Yeah. It's just it's frustrating, right? Because like it's clear that human trafficking is a problem, but you got the Q tards with the QAnon and everyone like they don't actually want to solve the problem. They just want to get the 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 clout, the of social media hits, yeah, of of yeah. pointing it out. Look and, at how big of a problem this is. Yeah. Look how big of the problem this is. It's clearly all Democrats. Yeah. You know, when it's like, no, there's probably Republicans involved too. And it's like, fuck the Democrats involved and fuck the Republicans involved. It comes yeah, to but, a lot of it, it, it. It's funny how, how so many of these issues are issues that like, if everyone stopped dividing everyone into little tiny tribes, about the issue it could be solved but it's not like poverty not like, solved i mean like human trafficking like you said Corey, human trafficking is one of those things that you're probably never gonna solve no my but god you could alleviate some it. more should be done yeah for sure yeah, a little more could be done if like instead of having trivial arguments about who's at fault about it blaming each other get the ones who aren't involved in the mudslinging to just be like, hey, let's just uh, let's try to solve this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or, or at least like, at like least, poverty, uh, like homelessness. You know, uh, in, like the incarceration that we have through our country with the prison industrial complex. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, the ratios, like the ratios are really fucked up. Like, black people make up thirteen percent of our country. Yet they make up a huge percentage. I don't know the exact number, so I didn't say it, but they make up a huge percentage of the people in prisons. But just because there are so many more white people in our country, they do make up a larger population. And then you can hear people that they make arguments like, well, you know, there's more white people in prison than black people. So it's not, it's obviously not a race issue. And it's like, no, they, what you're saying is like, there's way too many white people locked up. Let's actually try to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to solve the issue for a racial problem, solve it for yourself. You know, because you see people all the time where they're like, oh, 80% of black people are killed by black people. It's like, yeah, well, 90% of white people are killed by white people. 
those right. two numbers might be reversed or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, yep. like 2000 people saying, were though. killed. Yeah, exactly. You get what I'm saying. But it's just like, I get so sick and tired of people making it tribal issues based on aesthetics. I don't know. Like you want to talk about tribes? Why is that? What my, is that? My, my, what I learned in school this week, this one, this one, I, I learned a new, I learned a new, uh, I guess, would you call it a word or a phrase, uh, a phrase? Cause it's two words and I love it. Have you heard, have you heard this phrase before? fetishized oppression have you heard this before uh i haven't it's okay it's okay because i'm going to show you uh, wait i might have like only because brilliant instagram video from uh in a female iranian attorney I, I saw this video and I was like, and I, I probably watched it like 13 times. I'm just going to share it and then we can, uh, we can discuss. Where did it go? Here we go. Are we up? Am I up? Are we good? Yes. You are asking me to explain what the problem is with the TikTok generation that's been swooning over bin Laden, deciding now to put on hijabs and call themselves Muslim. Um, First of all, you cannot just put on a hijab and call yourself Muslim. You cannot just put on a yarmulke and call yourself Jewish. There is an onboarding process. The purpose of the onboarding process is to prove your commitment to the faith. That's beside the point. This isn't a case where somebody has observed the practice of a faith over time and decided that maybe this is something that they're interested in. Where is this coming from? Where this is coming from is the perverse fetishization over oppression in the Middle East and a desire to dissociate from the stigma of privilege, the stigma of Western privilege. And so it's intended to adopt the identity of the oppressed. It's not just appropriating religion, it's appropriating oppression. And the problem with that is that you are not actually having to experience the reality of oppression. They're saying that they're willing to go and live under Sharia law and they're not going to miss their Western privileges, but they don't actually seem to be willing to go. So they are bypassing the experience of oppression in order to cheat to the benefit of oppression, sympathy. The second thing is this idea, this Western privilege, you know, which is essentially just democracy. It's the ability to have free speech. It's the ability to vote. It's the ability to choose your religion. It's the ability to choose what you want to wear, right? That is what people in Iran are paying the price with their lives to fight for, paying with blood currency for freedom. They're having their eyes taken out for freedom. They are being lynched from cranes for freedom. And for those that are saying that, you know, we're not ashamed of the Western privilege of democracy. What we're ashamed of is the West's bloody and violent history of conquests and colonization. Okay, well, the identity that you are assuming that you are appropriating comes from a region with a very, very extensive history of bloody and violent conquests and colonization. So if you want to appropriate oppression, then appropriate the whole identity, appropriate the lived experience. Because if you did that, then you know that the people that you are impersonating are killing themselves to fight for the liberties that you not only take for granted, but 
wish you didn't have. So people are asking me to explain. It's a pretty powerful video, right? It's pretty good, right? And and like obviously she's she's speaking about um this from like um uh I guess like an an, a Middle Eastern or or a Muslim point of view as far as like appropriating oppression and and saying the West is so bad and uh you know um so what I'm looking for um. I guess fetishizing the victimhood. That's kind of the way I read it. Like I read into it like a lot of what we see in the United States right now as far as like race is concerned. Like when I get like when you and I, Corey, get get like really fucking I mean, just vomit at the top of our throats when we hear like some upper west side wine mom bitch about uh racism in the south when she's never set foot there. She has, and she's, and all she's doing is doing it for just, just, just the social media clicks and the clout and everybody telling her what a strong willed ally she is. Yeah. So and that, like, that part right there, that's, that's the part that I get stuck on. When someone is speaking about any sort of oppression or any sort of structuralized racism or any sort of like actual like racism, like when it comes to society and stuff like that, that's fine. But, when someone projects their own virtue signaling or their own like grift on top of it is what frustrates me. When somebody decides to, <clears throat> so I lost my train of Appro- thought there. Appropriate, appropriate oppression. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. This young no, lady that's, said that's in her pretty video. much what I'm looking for. Yeah. When a white person tries to white knight their way into something white savior complex yeah yeah exactly the white savior complex when sometimes it's important just to stay in your own lane and listen listen for a second yeah you know we we talk about this all the time like when when you when you if you actually go out and speak with somebody of let's just say that's just non-white right about these kinds of things you, you you don't unless you're like on a college campus or maybe like walking through Times Square, you're not going to get a whole lot of the yeah, white, all, you know, white people are fucking evil answers. Yeah. You're not going to get that. And then I'm also people. to all of our white listeners who don't uh, know very many black people because we have all based, white listeners. Let's be based, honest. Based on the demographics of our country. uh that that might just be a reality for you, right? Don't base all of your opinions on any other culture based on like what MSNBC or ABC or Fox News or any of or these or Robin D'Angelo or tells you Pendy or any of these other you know because lifters. If you do that short of like a 20 second elevator ride like hey how are you sir how's it going you're gonna look like a fucking idiot mm-hmm. fetishized oppression but what i find interesting about this is so i remember geez it was probably 2016 2017 i was at hopcat when hopcat was open for a brief period in royal oak michigan which it's back by the way in michigan in royal oak yeah yeah the same building 
Uh, it's where, um, not that anybody knows where this is. It's across the street from Fifth Ave. Where the old Woodies used to be. Yep. And so they closed, but they came back. I was just there two weeks ago. Anyway, go ahead. And they, it's and back. They, again, they still, got, they still got the rooftop bar. I don't know. Now I'm just excited February, because dude. I we love the rooftop bar. We didn't go bar. up there. Okay. It's fucking February. Yeah. We didn't go if up there. If you're not from Metro Detroit, then you don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But anyways, <laughs> I remember being Topcat on the rooftop bar in Royal Oak. And it was right when I first started getting into politics. And I heard two people like an earshot of me talking about politics and it had me intrigued and this one guy who had an accent i wasn't i couldn't pin the accent exactly but he had an accent he's talking to another guy and the other guy seemed to kind of shake his head and walk away and i and i was like so what were, you, what were you guys talking about were you talking about politics right and he go, and he ended up being from germany and he was like yeah we were and i was like oh i'm interested in that and then he kind of scoffed at me and oh. he told me and I and I didn't appreciate this at the time, because at this time I thought that like my liberal views, you know, eight years ago, were like the uh, the gold standard, right? <laughs> and uh, a lot of people he, still feel that way, Corey. <laughs> and he told me, he goes, he laughed at me, and he said, "You Americans and your privileged view on politics, you have." the the uh the uh, the privilege to sit here and argue about such trivial things when the rest of the world is dealing with the real issues and i well, didn't understood what he meant at the time that's interesting because we kind of still do that we absolutely oh us nothing has yeah nothing has changed we argue we argue about you know who gets to go well, into i mean what us, like as americans yes i'm saying but you yeah. and i on our show i think we try to dive deeper like we try to go through the reads and avoid that type of shit but like america as a society yeah like we argue about such dumb things because we're so fucking privileged Corey, I just want to say, like, I love the look on your face right now. You've been frozen for like two minutes. I can see you're frozen you. too. You're frozen uh, too. Somebody's fucked up. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's Bell's just not Corey. Frozen. I'm not frozen. Okay. I'm good. It's just Corey to me. That's right. Frozen to me. Bell's frozen to me. Everyone's no, it's frozen to me. So it's all it's all you, dude. It's all you. Now you're it's the now you. you're the one. Now you're the now you're the one with the connectivity issues. No, not necessarily. It's just my camera. (laughs) It's so funny when the dial-up sound plays, nobody can speak. (laughs) 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 I wonder what the audience sees. Because like like I said, like you're all frozen to me. You you look like this. Yeah, I I, yeah, okay, good job. (laughs) Do that face again because I can't fucking see it. (laughs) <laughs> oh man oh, i forgot do it again yep. do it again for me real quick li- liberty liberty twitcher says it's only you that's frozen it's only me no nope. fuck my whole well why don't you why don't you back out and come back in while while bell tells us what he learned in can school you can you handle that can you guys handle that can, can, can you, you sure about that yeah we can handle it bell and i you got sure it about I, that? Have to close, I have to close out chrome you sure about that 
I'll be back in a second, boys. <laughs> what a disaster. Bell, write I'm, this listing. I'm, I'm good. My face looks beautiful, even with that glazed Bell, ass fucking it's debatable. face. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Corey, you just you regroup. Bell and I will take over. Bell, what did you learn in school this week? You know, usually I'd come in. Can I just say this while Corey's good? gone, though? Can I just say this while Corey's gone, though? It's fucking beautiful that it's finally it's his internet that fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one. I know. He hasn't had an issue. Anyway, He's go in ahead. He's the club now. <laughs> I, was, I usually hit you guys with some, some sort of history lesson about some weird history, but I was thinking today, America can't have anything nice, even if we have something nice. I'm listening. Before the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl, it's like the, we have the Super Bowl. We're the only country in the world that has a sporting event where everybody's like, we're all going to watch fucking football on this day. And that's all we're going to do. No, they got to complain about the Taylor Swift thing. Who's in the Super Bowl? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. They have a parade today. And then 22 people get shot at the parade. Holy shit, in Kansas City? I didn't realize it was that much of a crime hub. Boy, I guess yeah. Ron DeSantis was right. Well, I don't know if it is, but so the parade, one person died. There's kids that got shot. Uh, and, you know, and then it makes me think when you think to like all these other things that we have that are actually nice because we don't have that many things. There's I'm back. Always, always something <laughs> terrible about them, according to somebody. It's just really tiring. No, that's a and good that's point. That's what I learned. Is, uh, just, it all is, comes is that from our a point of privilege? I was going to say, is that our privilege showing? Corey took the words. The, Corey took the words right out of my mouth because, like, I was annoyed with the Super Bowl too. It was so funny. We, you, the three of us, were actually texting during the Super Bowl about like who's <laughs> going to be offended by this halftime show. Somebody's going to be offended. Like some, some like subgroup of people <laughs> is going to be offended, and we and we determined that it was the trad cons. It has to be like the Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Dennis Prager style trad cons that were offended by the halftime show because there was demonic imagery in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it could have been it, anybody it, else. It, Nobody yeah. else could have been offended. I mean, we were making fun, you know, but it's, there's like people that were like, that are like genuinely mad about Taylor Swift. And it's like, it comes up, it comes down to the LeBron thing. I don't know who I'm more upset with. The people that no, are I figured it out, Corey. I can, I can answer this. I can answer this, right? Because I've been going over this. I'm like, okay, so why am I actually in? Because I'm one of the people that was annoyed, but I'm a, a football fan, right? I sit here and watch Red Zone every week, which means, basically means I watch all the games. Do they show so Taylor I, on Red Zone? I mean, she pops up every once in a while, but but the Chiefs are on. Um, oh, wait, really? On Red yeah. Zone? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because they're, they're all they're doing is showing the broadcasts on Red Zone. They're just kind of going back and forth between games. So occasionally you'll She's see made her the pop NFL up at like the end of a hundred something million dollars. Yeah, two hundred. But I'm like, million. I'm like, why? I'm like, why am I actually? Am I actually annoyed with Taylor Swift? And I came up with the answer that I'm not. I mean, I find her annoying, but I can just like avoid her. Like so, it's not like a it's not like a hateful thing. Yeah, I find Taylor Swift fucking annoying. I think she's void of any kind of personality. Her music isn't very good. She rhymes "car" with "bar" like sixty five thousand times in all of her songs. Her music isn't good. I don't understand why she's so popular. I understand she's pretty. She's obviously she's obviously quite attractive, and that's probably part of it. However, 
is it Taylor Swift that I'm actually that, that I'm actually annoyed with? And I figured it, I figured it out like during the Super Bowl. No, it's not her. You know what it is? It's you people. It's not you people. It's the Swifties. It's it's the her fan base is the most annoying, insufferable fan base in all of Hollywood or music or anything because you are not allowed to not like Taylor Swift. And the minute you say that you don't think her music is that good, she's a philanthropist. She's the only billionaire out there who, or multimillionaire out there who pays her people a living wage and yada. They've, they just virtue signal all day long about why she's so great and so awesome and you should love her. And if you don't, you're a fucking fascist. It's so it's not Taylor Swift that I am actually upset with. It's the fan base. It's the it's Swifties that annoy the shit out of me. You know, so Dan. Yes, go ahead. I just it's uh I went off. I got a little red face there for a minute. Yeah, you got, you got a little you got a little you got a little uh you got your britches little bunched up there. Uh the reason I think so in my personal life. The reason why I think so, you know that there's three things. You know, there's like basically two things that I'm very opinionated on, right? It's politics and country music, right? Yeah. And Taylor Swift is one of the only ones I know that s- did the hard switch, and instead of trying to pretend her music is still country, she's like, "No, I'm pop now." Whereas there's a, a hundred other artists out there who are basically making country music with boom bap traps or boom back boom bap beats <laughs> uh who are trying to pretend that they're country music but they're really not they're just pop songs with a little bit of twang but she actually cut the ties so i've always had respect for taylor swift for that other than that it goes back to our conversation we had roughly about a week ago, how like when it comes to a lot of the culture shit, I'm just, I don't have the energy. My ADD doesn't let me even have a chance to get upset about it. Cause I'll see a, a thing about Taylor Swift and I'm like, what? No, that's fucking weird. And then all of a sudden I'm onto something else. It's true. Because when we talked last week, you didn't even know who Tracy Chapman was. <laughs> I've already forgot. <laughs> She's the she's the original composer of Fast. Guy, what? The famous Luke Combs. I was song. kidding. That was a joke. I forget. Among 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 other great oh. Emmy winning titles, but that's Glad. that that is probably her number one song ever. You got a fast. It's a car. big ass glass of wine, bud. <laughs> yeah, this is like my third one. I told you, I started doing. <laughs> I will say this. You know what I love? I I I, I don't know if I've said this once before. But what I love about Bell's what I learned in school this week, I feel like it gets you and I both talking more than either of ours ever do. <laughs> what was his what I learned this week? Because I completely missed it. That we that, that we can't have nice things even when we have nice things. He was talking about how the Super Bowl is great and we never we don't appreciate it. God damn, Bell, that was some it. really good fucking improv. That's what that was. was because was in our deep. private chat, he goes, he says, skip me. I have nothing. <laughs> and so when I cut out, I went from skip me, I have nothing to coming back to apparently Bell had the best goddamn fucking what I learned in school this week. I, I don't know if it's best, but it gets us if it gets us talking. Sometimes it's, it's, it's got you worked up now. <laughs> Who me? 
Who man? Oh, Dan was worked up. Dude, I'm literally riffing. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I wasn't here for the last five minutes of this conversation. You're good. You're good. Well, I was just talking about good. We can't have anything nice. Everything that we have that's nice isn't nice. It's not nice enough. You know what I mean? Can't have nice things. Yeah. We don't. We don't deserve it. Good is the or yeah, great is the enemy of good. Mm, No, the perfect. And the fact fact that we get to bitch about that should give us a uh, moment of reflection. That's a great. That's an absolute great segue. The fact that I got it, I got to sit here and like not and and say that it's not even Taylor Swift that I don't like. It's her fans that I don't like. Just makes this country fantastic. And guess who? uh, Dan over here solving all the world's problems. Not not at all, but uh, uh, Tucker Carlson is solving some of them in certain ways. Tucker doing a little ballroom dance with Vladimir Putin. Corey, uh, Ooh, I know you. Uh, are you sure it wasn't a waltz? I might have been a waltz. It could have been a little bit of swing. I think that might have been outlawed in Russia, though. But anyway, uh, hey, Bell, I watch and see if swing is actually banned in Russia. I doubt it, but <laughs> I I watched the entire interview over the course of two days. I had to split it up because as as I talked about in our our show meeting last night, Corey, it was the most interesting yet insufferably boring interview I have ever seen. It was like it was both things, and I know yeah. you listened to the whole thing, so you, you yeah. So that's heard it. I was, I was about to bring that up that it's interesting that you watched it. I only listened to. Oh, it. I watched it. I watched it. Um, I want to start here. Is that a Modelo? It is a Modelo. Nice. They, that somebody snuck it. Somebody snuck it over the border for me. That a boy. I do that. Um, Yinglings. The state border. That's great. I, I like that joke. That's a good joke. I didn't laugh, but it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wanted to start with. Um, I was listening to um, uh, the the abbreviated version of Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern's podcast. Um, America this week. They put out a free version every week and they only go for about a half an hour. But a lot of it was it was they were talking about the Tucker Putin interview prior to it actually airing. It had already taken place but it hadn't aired yet. And Walter Kern not banned. <laughs> <laughs> The waltzing is <laughs> breaking news. The waltz is not banned in Russia. I thought we decided swing. Swing is not it's the banned swing. In Russia. Yeah, uh, don't anyway, need a thing if it ain't got that swing, Dan. Walter Kern, if you'll just shut up for a minute. <laughs> Walter Kern said in when he was talking to Matt Taibbi with, with predictions for the the Tucker um, Putin interview. One of the things that you're going to see is. A, a, a within the first five minutes, you're going to see a debunking of so many narratives surrounding Vladimir Putin. Just like, like I said, within within the first five minutes. And so respecting Taibbi and Kern as I do, as I'm watching this, I'm looking for these things. And Walter Kern fucking nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. So um, God damn it, my Notes are out of order. Uh, okay, so here we go. Various examples of... Uh, um, never mind. Anyway, doesn't matter. 
I'll give you the examples off the top of my head. It doesn't even matter. This idea that like Putin is ill, right? He's riddled with all this cancer. I don't know about you, Corey. I know you saw a little bit of the video. Thought he looked like a reasonably healthy man for his age. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't he see didn't, anything that's yeah. yeah. When I saw him in the videos, I didn't look at him and go, "Oh fuck!" Like it wasn't <laughs> Diane Feinstein. It wasn't oh. Joe Biden. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, he is he is on his death." Yeah, I was gonna say certainly looked a lot healthier uh, than our own leader. Yeah. If I'm if 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 I do say so myself, because Trump weirdly looks actually healthier now than he did when he ran for the first presidency. Oh man, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe calm down on the amphetamines. Um, no, he just covered oh, his face in baby blood, brother. An, interdimensional ex- space demons. <laughs> another example of a debunked narrative about, and I want I want people to understand this isn't like a defense of Vladimir Putin. What I'm saying is that like. There are um, uh, just like with any of our own politicians, there are a million reasons to look at a guy like Vladimir Putin and not um, believe what he says or um, critique him for sure. This is just another example of like, why does the media need to lie to you about this stuff? Why do they push this shit so hard when we're looking at it and it's not true? Another example of it is that. Putin is this just like babbling Hitlerian figure, right? Because like if this if this was an interview of Hitler, he would have been absolutely babbling and maniacal, right? Vladimir Putin throughout this interview was, I mean, obviously spewing a ton of propaganda, but like he just he was he was he was a guy that, that held his stuff together and made reasonable points. From his perspective, yeah, yeah. So you have disagreements with them. Go ahead. So before I forget this point, I want to make. Ultimately, what our media does is try to really paint Putin as this one-dimensional, binary, bad person, when in reality he is no different than any leader we have in the West. He's a political leader. He has a narrative to push. He has things to say to not only cater to his base, but also has to make sure his detractors don't necessarily disagree with him. You know, like he's literally a multidimensional figure that we see with any figure on the left that literally tries to paint him as this dunce or just as just a warmonger or as just all like single word phrases people use on people that you see in our own country in our privileged society that we use on either side of the spectrum yeah, does that make sense what i'm great. saying like it's it's he yes. he gets he gets diminished when, just to no, add to he's that actually a pretty smart person you're a, you're absolutely right Corey. He, he, it is it is this it is this conscious effort to try and dehumanize and minimize him and honestly like as somebody who's been a president of a moderately powerful country for 20 something years or no shit 30 years now 2000 or no 24 years because he was elected in 2000 
So, <laughs> so like in, in some ways I understand, you know, dehumanizing him from the perspective of he's just another politician. And I don't think politicians are humans to start with. Um, but like th- this narrative that he's very ill, the narrative that he's like this, this unbelievably Hitlerian figure who's going to start a nuclear war or invade Poland next. And it's like, if you just listen to what this man has to say, you can clearly tell that he's, he is nothing more than the leader of a country who is doing what he thinks is best for him and his, and his own people in Russia. You don't have to agree with his tactics for making that happen. But when he explains himself on Tucker in, in with Tucker Carlson, disagreement is okay about like what the facts are, but he clearly, he just, he, he portrays himself as a man who is doing literally legitimately doing what he thinks is best for Russia just as you would hope a United States president would come off as doing what they think is best for the United States. And by the way, in the last 30 years, we know that that's not the case with a lot of our leaders where they're doing what they think is best for the pocketbooks of Raytheon, Boeing, and others. And now trying to preserve the petrodollar I guess what I would say is that I don't feel like Putin is any more dangerous of a fucking politician than anybody that's sitting in Congress right now. Is that unfair? Am I being unfair by saying that? No. Am I being a tra- am I a traitor because I said that? I think he's a I think he's a piece of shit politician. That's what that's he all is. It really comes and, a, down and, to, and, right? and 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 a brilliant propagandist. He is so good. Okay, so what One of the biggest takeaways that I had from this interview is that Vladimir Putin, I guarantee you this is the case. Vladimir Putin knows more about U.S. history than the average American. I don't think there's any doubt about that. No. I don't think there's any doubt about Vladimir Putin's worldview and and view of not, not only global history, but U.S. history being better than that of the average American. No, He's because not a stupid and, man. What did he brought up? Uh, what did he bring up? He brought up Texas, I think, right in the interview. He brought up What's something. That? Putin brought the up, I think, the border. Yeah, the border. Like he he knows more about our politics than most Americans do. The border, the national debt. How many Americans do you think can even come close to the like? If if you if you just walked up to a person on the street tomorrow, just pick a pick a person and said, "Hey, um, what's the U.S. national debt right now?" How many of them do you think would look at you with their eyes glazed over and say, mm, uh, well, it might be like 35 trillion. <laughs> I mean, there's, Not, you might run into somebody that would say that, but I bet you if you I bet you if you if you ask 10 people that are th- our age, 35 and younger. I bet you at least five of them would have no clue. Not a clue. What the national. That's actually a good is. social social experiment i want to do that now but yet vladimir putin knows um and the takeaway that you get from the media before we get into the meat of like what we thought about this interview it was you you saw it before the interview even aired 
it was wrong to watch this. It's wrong to watch it because Tucker, it's, it's, and, and, and they, they, they keep saying this, they keep pushing this, um, this phrase of like, it's, it's not Putin. It's not listening to Putin. That's the problem. It's the person that's interviewing him. It's that Tucker Carlson is interviewing him. That, right. Because, like, because that, that somehow makes, that somehow diminishes what Putin has to say. And not only that, if you're really pushing it far into to, to the way that Americans are propagandized, it's this it's this idea that we've talked about multiple times on this show, Corey. You are as you are too stupid to hear what Vladimir Putin has to say because it's yeah. dangerous. It's yeah, too dangerous. That, that was definitely exposed when everyone was freaking out at the idea that Tucker Carlson was going to interview Putin. It could be a botched job of an interview. Who gives a shit? right who cares yeah we can decide that for ourselves but for the government and for the media and for everyone to go no 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 don't even look at this yeah and and to be fair like tucker has in i i have i have a weird i have weird mixed feelings about tucker i mostly think he's a net positive at this point however he has said Strictly weird things because he actually got the Putin interview before that. It was well, like, yeah, that it, neutral. I guess, I guess, I guess the Putin interview put him, put him, put him into a net positive, but like <laughs> he's, he has said some weird things like why. And like this, these are, his, I'm pretty sure these are his exact words. Maybe I'm paraphrasing, but he has said things like, why shouldn't I root for Russia in this war? Because that's how Tucker's portrayed, right? He's portrayed as this Putin puppet, right? He's portrayed as this person who just loves Vladimir Putin. I don't think he's really said a whole lot that would suggest that. But yeah, saying things like, why shouldn't I root for Russia in this war? Because he really did say that. Like, he that's that a little bit Fox, weird. Right? I don't remember. It might have been. But like, it, and, and that's just it, right? Like, it's okay to critique Tucker and be like, I don't think he's going to ask any good questions or I don't think he's going to challenge Vladimir Putin. Like those are legitimate criticisms, but when you stretch it out to like, you shouldn't watch this because you're too stupid and it's, these ideas are too dangerous. Now we're getting into Orwellian territory. There's no reason for, is your sign blinking? No, you want to know what I was really looking at. It's really stupid. (laughs) You think you have a ghost? No, you're looking for the NSA behind you. No, there's foam right here that's supposed to be on top of this white thing, and it looks like it, like through using this snowboard, the foam fell off (laughs) to the side. That's it. It, This doesn't even. This shouldn't even be on the show. It's dumb. I just noticed it in my camera. (laughs) That that is that is Corey's ADD coming out hard right there. Yeah, that's oh Vladimir Putin. Oh, squirrel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh wait, no, that's gray foam. I know what that's for. It's not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, and the, I get the, the other interesting thing about this whole thing too, Corey, is that like others have tried to interview Putin and Putin won't talk to them. So maybe that's a little bit of an indictment on Putin. Um, he has been spoken to, but I think the last one was like sixty minutes. Yeah, no, and what what which is interesting, uh, right? Like, like. He clearly knew Tucker would be a little bit of a softy on him, right? Like, I'm sure Matt Taby. No, who who do you think who who else 
like, okay, no. All right. So now I'm kind of talking myself out of it, right? Like, yes, Putin might, or Tucker might give Putin softball questions for the access of that interview. But who else in the media landscape in America would actually seek out an interview with Putin? Even people we respect, they're just that's just not what they're doing, right? A Barry yeah. Weiss, a Matt Welch, a Michael Moynihan, a Camille Foster, you know, a Matt Taibbi, a Michael Schellenberger. Like some of them might be interested in this interview. Even an Aaron Mate or, you know, like any of these guys. But Glenn none Greenwald. of them. Yeah, Glenn Greenwald. Like, like you, you could keep naming people. You could just keep naming them of, of journalists we respect. But none of them have actually did the legwork leg work to make it happen. And Tucker did. And so, unfortunately, the Tucker, Tucker Carlson is the best we got. But you know what? We got to hear for two hours Putin's response or Putin's responses to how he sees the Ukraine issue and what that does. That's a net positive to the conversation because, you know, there are certain things that Putin said in this inf- in this interview that are really important to the American people. And what, mm-hmm. one of the things that I could take away from that that's more important than anything else is Putin saying he's not interested in nuclear war or Poland? Mm-hmm. Because mainstream media here in America is constantly pushing the idea that Putin is wanting to start nuclear war and he wants to invade Europe. Yeah, and he gave he gave to, to, to piggyback on that, Corey. He like he gave his his sort of version of Russian history, which he knows very, very well. I think he demonstrated himself right 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 because i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here i'm not gonna sit here and act like i know the first 10 things about russian history i know more probably than than the average american because you listen to this interview but the basic synopsis (laughs) is like oh yeah you know uh ukraine and russia like borders in the 800s weren't so solid and then there was a bunch of dynasties and there was a bunch of empires and Ukraine was kind of always a part of Russia until the last 50 years. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Objectively, so he gives, that's true. He, he gives his spiel about like why he felt like he was historically justified to invade Ukraine combined with, you know, NATO expansion and combined with um, the, the, the Maidan coup from 2014, which actually started essentially a civil war in Ukraine, which Americans uh, to this day, so many of them don't even fucking know about where you have Ukrainians blowing up ethnic Russians and Putin blows it. Putin rolls in and, you know, says that he's defending these people. Now, I mean, how much of it's bullshit, how much of it's propaganda, a lot of it's propaganda because Putin is a masterful, masterful propagandist. He is very good. I mean, he even had me convinced. He even had me convinced a couple times during this interview before I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is Vladimir Putin. Like, let's just, let's just back the truck up and take this with a grain of salt for a second. Because, but he is, he is, man. He's, yeah, because, well, that's just it, Dan. He's no better than any masterful politician we have in America. No, he is, because he's all you do. Right. But just if you treat (laughs) him with the same skepticism, 
that you do any politician here in America, then all of a sudden he's not going to have you fucking waving around the hammer and the sickle. Mm-hmm. Like our government, who is also full of masterful propagandists, would make you believe that that's all Putin is doing is rave ways or fucking waving the hammer and the sickle. It's like, you know what? Yeah, it might be propaganda, but let me hear propaganda. That's not my propaganda because then between the two propaganda machines, I might be able to find a small kernel of truth. And if my propaganda machine is worried about the other propaganda machine, spewing their propaganda better than my propaganda then maybe i should go hmm there might be something going on here yeah and and that's and that's hmm that's it i i don't really have anything to add to that other than um, just i guess to move on to um Putin's ability to propagandize. He um, discusses a lot about various examples of which in which he tried to work with the United States. Right. He talked about having a good relationship with George W. Bush. He talked about he talked about Russia. uh, This would be obviously before Putin was president, but Russia trying to join NATO. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it was a rhetoric question. But the idea that he asked Clinton, hey. How about uh how about uh, how about Russia just joins NATO? And then and 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 we blew them off. Yeah. I, I or, mean I, honestly honestly though, Corey, like there's probably more to that than what Putin said. Oh, absolutely. But, but like it 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 does make sense that that the United States, just knowing what we know now, that the United States would be like, Yeah, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Yeah, knowing what you know now, based on everything yeah. you know about our politics and the way our country works regardless of this interview, if I said this to you before the Tucker interview and I said, Hey, if tomorrow Russia asked America, if they could just join NATO, what do you think America would say? You'd probably be like, Oh, they would tell them to kick rocks. They would tell. Yeah. They would absolutely tell them to fuck <laughs> off. And like, or, but like or his- the other thing he mentions that I thought that was worth noting is uh, when he mentioned, America was working on missile systems through like because of like this was post 9-11 that America and NATO was working on missile systems and Russia was like hey let us work on these missile systems with you and America was like no so then Russia was like well then we're going to have to work on systems that will combat that then and then we go oh that's Russian aggression well, and like, and like, okay, so like, how much, of it, how much of it is true and how much of it isn't? Because it, 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 the way Putin portrays it is like, hey, man, like we've tried to work with the West forever, and they just keep, they just keep rejecting us, and they keep rejecting us. And I think it's important to know that that is whether or not it's true is irrelevant. It's important to know that that is the way Putin sees Views it. This. it. Like that's that's what's important, and that's, and that's very what, important. That's absolutely that's absolutely important. And and like he's his, a lot of his defenses for the for the war in Ukraine and 
and other, I guess, economic and uh, other types of aggressions throughout uh, towards the West for 24 years now. A lot of it is stuff that we hear right here in the United States and and Putin points that out about how in, 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 I guess I'll put it this way. I, I, I actually kind of understand where Putin's coming from. I guess to simplify it when he, when he goes, look, we just want you to stay out of our fucking backyard. Like I, I actually can sympathize with him a little bit when he says that kind of stuff. Cause he he brought up how, like, if like, so now we have nuclear weapons, like what is it? Uh, Sweden and, uh, the Netherlands and all these different countries are we're talking about having to join NATO and all these Baltic states are literally on the border of Russia. And he brings up the idea that like, imagine if America tried to put nuclear weapons in Canada or Mexico. And it's Russia. like, you know what? And yeah, Russia said that. Imagine if we tried to put nuclear weapons in like Canada or Mexico. And you know what? Like, Dan, honestly, we don't have to imagine because, because it happened. The Cuban Cuba. Missile Crisis is pressed into our heads like America is this victor of fighting off communism. Because if you remember how that was taught to us, that's basically how it's taught to us. Yeah, that in the that, vacuum like, of listen, American history listen, through listen, American, Ken, you can call uh, you can call John F. Kennedy a hero in a lot of different ways. Um, but the way that that story is told is not exactly. <laughs> not exactly the the way you learn I, I would say, I, I should say this the way you learn it in an eighth grade social studies class is uh, pr- a pretty oversimplified version yeah absolutely yeah yeah and that's exactly right it's like because it's just, we um, know and, and how America would respond if Russia did to America what America does to Russia constantly or I mean he talked about um he talked about and then, the US- and again, this is immediately making us sound like Putin apologists and Russian apologists. And it's like, no, that's not what we're doing. You, but you have we're, to understand we're adding from. important context to the conversation. You have to, you have to understand where he's coming from. And, and it's, it was, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was eye opening in some ways, but in a lot of ways, just because we're nerds about this stuff. A lot of it was just shit that like we'd already heard from various yeah. other sources um, but like, you know, the, uh, the Yugoslavian war stuff, I didn't really know a whole lot about, you know, the fact that, um, there, there was just a lack of respect from the U in, in Putin's view, there was just a lack of respect from the U S when it came to military endeavors for, for separatists in the Northern Caucasus. Like I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about that. Like imagine if there were separatists in Mexico, right. And the U.S. was backing the Mexican government to fight off the separatists, and or the, and, or, and, and, and 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 Russia sent money or aid or weapons or human beings to fight for the separatists. Imagine what we would do. Or flip it, we were backing the separatists, and they were defending the Mexican government. Either way, yeah, because either that's way. literally what it's been with Russia for the last fifty goddamn years is one of us backing the government, the other one's backing the separatists. It's the reason why the whole Middle East is fucked. It's the reason why a bunch of countries in Africa are fucked. Like, it's literally what it's been with us. Just stifling economic growth, stifling 
uh, the chance of freedom and the chance of liberties being entrenched in these other countries because we've been doing this bullshit tit for tat for 50 goddamn years. And like, and like, and everyone in the, like going back to what we were talking about originally in our podcast about like the privilege, the privilege we have to bitch about things, right? Being so far like, away. And this is me like, go ahead, call me a stooge for like the way we acted with imperialistic tendencies throughout all of this. Uh, throughout the last 50, 60 years in, in Europe and the Middle East and South Africa and stuff like Russia isn't innocent. They were doing the same shit we were in all of these countries. And like, it's a whole separate conversation of like, should we have responded the way we responded when Russia was doing the same shit that we were doing in other countries at the same time? Like when we talk about our imperialistic tendencies, where there was areas where there wasn't imperialistic tendencies of America, there were imperialistic tendencies of Russia, and we were combating mm. them. And it was the literally Soviet a Union chess- at the time. yeah, the Soviet Union at the time. It was literally well, just a that- giant chessboard of us advancing, and then us on the back foot trying to stop an advancement. And then on the flip side, it was Russia trying to stop an advancement and them advancing. And it's just it's interesting. It's an interesting thought experiment, Corey. Is that in like a weird way of like us, the West, I should say, winning the Cold War, maybe a bad thing in that way, because we were so autonomous for, as, as Tucker Carlson put it, when we were in a unipolar world shortly after the Cold War, you know, and up through, I don't know, the next 15 or so years. Just this, just this American hubris that we could just run around the planet and do whatever the fuck we wanted without being checked in any way, shape, or form by something like the Soviet Union. No, I'm actually glad you say that because I uh, I was listening to the fifth column today, and uh, Matt Welch put it so well that we're in a moment of a long-term decline of post-World War II international order. And America is the most accidental empire that has ever happened in history. Yeah, that's it's, it's interesting. An accidental empire. Because we are. We got thrusted into a position post-World War II when in all of Europe, the only other center of like industrial economic growth was decimated. And mm-hmm. we got put in this position where we had to fight off communism and help them rebuild. Yeah, and we were the only country positioned to do it. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's fair. I actually, I dig that. I, I dig that assessment. Matt Welch is is a brilliant man. Not Matt Walsh. Matt Welch. No, Matt Welch. Yeah, there's two (laughs) very different people. You have to, because I've told friends like, yeah, this is his podcast. His name is Matt Welch, and they're like, wait, ugh, what? The guy from Daily Wire. I was like, no, 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 (laughs) Matt Welch. Welch, W-E-L-C-H. Not the last same last name as me, but W-A-L-S-H. Matt Welch from Reason Magazine, not Daily Wire. The last, the last thing I had on, on Putin, and if you have anything else, Corey, you can feel free to throw it out there, but the last thing I had on the uh, Putin-Tucker uh, interview was Putin's view of China. And the way he explained this made, I'm sorry, folks, like 
it made complete sense. China is Russia's neighbor. They share like a 2,000 mile long border with China. Like we do this with is Mexico. A, this is a situation where you can't like as and Putin put it pretty well. He goes, you can't choose your neighbors. But it does, it, it is in your best interest to tolerate at worst, and I, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but like tolerate and and work with it. Uh, it always um it, it's it's just always a good idea to be on the good side of your neighbor in these situations. And so when you think about the United States and after they invaded you after Russia invaded Ukraine, cutting Russia off from the dollar, not being able to trade in dollars with certain other countries because the United States said they weren't allowed to anymore. When you had this narrative, this is a brilliant narrative. It, it, it is absolutely true. When you did that, you and, and you had all of these folks coming out and saying, if, you, if when you do this, you're you're pushing Russia into the arms of China. Yeah. Yeah, you did. 100%. That's exactly what you did. That's exactly what you did by sanctioning them. That's exactly what you did by cutting off countries' ability to trade with the Russians using the using the United States dollar. And like nobody on Capitol Hill seems to see it that way. They don't. <clears throat> I still so like I I still don't buy into the idea that the American dollar is uh dead at this point. BRICS is based on it's just it's the best thing that people have to try to combat the idea that they might be sanctioned but you have countries like what is it Argentina is that where Javier Malay is yeah is it Argentina yep you know he's insulating himself to be the leader of that country by changing the currency of his country to the American dollar in Argentina. Now, if anyone knows history, Argentina was awfully friendly to like Nazi Germany and all that stuff. And like now here's this guy, he's coming in saying that we're gonna make the government as small as possible and we're gonna create our economy on the dollar. So there's still leaders in the world that like think the American dollar still has like weight to it. There's still a ton of countries that still oh, trade in the dollar. But it's, it's diminishing quickly. It's diminishing on our own fault, but we could turn that around. I can stab myself. Sorry. Don't do that. I stab my I stab my finger with a corkscrew. It's bleeding like a sieve. <laughs> it's because all the goddamn alcohol in your system. I, think I don't. I think I don't have to. No, I was just sitting here and I put my hand down, and that thing is sharp as shit. My God. Anyway, go ahead. No, that's it. I was about to say I really really have to go pee so I was going to bring Bell in to have you guys riff while I do that. I mean, it's I got to pee too, so should we take a uh, break? Have we ever we've never done that before. We could just end the show, dude. <laughs> We're an hour I know we had more to, in. I know we had more to talk about, but uh yeah, we can kill it here. I can literally just go like this. <laughs> and we could just take a quick break. Nah, fuck that. We can end the show. It's all right. The only th- the only other thing we were going to talk about was what was going on in Rafa. Um, That's a but- big deal, actually. 
it is, but that, it's a huge I don't want to. I don't want to rush into Rafa and just try to rush through five minutes of it just because I have to pee. No, we're not going to do that. The Absurdive Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is absurdiveshow.com, and we can be found at Absurdive on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Not yesterday. Or yeah, definitely yesterday. Not tomorrow. Uh, anyway, for Bell the Body Snatcher, he has always been, he has always has been Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. It's been Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. And until next time, we are out of here. We the people cannot end that.